Yes. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful time of worship together. It's so clear that God's with us. That he's got an agenda this morning that he wants to speak to us. The, the, the words that were contributed fit so powerfully and so concisely into what we're speaking about today. We've been speaking about fear for a few weeks now. We're going on for a few weeks longer. And I'm so pleased that we're speaking on this subject for an extended period rather than just a one-off Sunday because I feel this subject is, is so important and it's uh, so pervasive. Fear is really the water that we swim in in our nation. We are a fear-driven culture in many ways and it often goes sort of unchecked. It's kind of in the background but we just carry on. And I feel this morning, even as we heard these words brought, that God would say, that's not what I have for you. It's just not right for the people of God to be in fear. It's just not right. You, you, God has brought us through that we would be a people free, not a people in fear. And if you're visiting uh, among us this morning and uh, you are not a believer in, in Jesus, then I would say just listen in because the, the, the Jesus we worship, the God we know, as we've been singing about this morning, is in charge, is over all things. He is the one who brings us the freedom that we're looking for, that our soul most needs, our soul most desires. We'll be looking into this subject and we will go on. And I think it will be a bit like a, a hammer hitting a nail. We'll hear some of the same things said again and again over five weeks. But God wants to push some buttons. He wants to knead the truth into us. He wants us to not just have one ear and out the other. Or even to say, wow, that was a really helpful message. But then by Tuesday or Wednesday... We haven't really applied it, and it's gone. I feel God wants to really work this through for us. He's got freedom for us. And I think at the center of fear, and what, we, what we've even been singing about this morning and thought about, and what we heard last week, uh, is this, this thought of being at the mercy of things that we can't control. Fear really is, is I can't control what I'm being presented with. I'm out of control. We, like we heard about last week, uh, a little girl saying, I'm, I'm, I'm fearful of falling off my bike. Someone might be fearful of spiders or fearful of snakes or fearful of the dark, fearful of heights, fearful of things where we know I'm out of my control here. I don't have control of this situation. Fearful of, they, we heard someone say, fearful of their children getting in accidents. Things, I just, I can't, I haven't got control there. And it, where do I turn when I haven't got control? Where do I turn? Well, I turn to fear. That's all I can turn to. I don't know where else to turn. And through this series, we're hoping to really learn and believe and understand there's a God who says, turn to me. Turn to me. Even my, my little one-year-old this morning just walking over to me and, and grabbing my leg. And, and if she looks up and sees someone she's not sure of, she comes to my leg and just holds on. It's, it's that taking refuge in a safe father. Come to me. There's, there's things that you're fearful of. I'm the way out of fear. And I believe God wants to really help us with that, even with this word of being salt. We cannot be salt in our generation, in our day. We cannot flavor this culture if we just taste exactly the same as the culture. We must have a different taste about us. We must know where to stand separate. We must know that our convictions aren't the same as those around. And God wants to release us from a fear that makes us just conform to the world this morning. Because this morning I'm speaking on particularly on fear of man. You might think of it as, as, as fear of rejection, fear of people, not fear of, but people pleasing. If you're someone who knows I'm a bit of a people pleaser, I like to keep people around me happy. Perhaps it is 
peer pressure. I've asked that the youth stay in this morning. I think this is such an important message uh, for those who are in school and college to know you know full well. We all know, but particularly in your years, you know there's so much pressure to accept the same things that my peers accept. To, to be pushed into situations where you might sometimes know I've compromised my values, I've compromised my beliefs because I just felt so pressured. I didn't want to be rejected. I didn't want to lose face. I didn't want to miss out. And the pressure that we can feel from around us is heavy. We've heard that message this morning. There's things that weigh heavy on us. And God wants to help us this morning to take those things off a fear of man is, is exactly like that. It's, it's just the heaviness of the pressure of, I must conform. I must uh, believe what others believe. I, I, I need from people. And that can weigh heavy on us. And God's saying this morning, there's another thing that needs to weigh heavier on you that will actually lighten your burden. And that is that we honor him first, that we know him. Fear of man, the Bible has so much to say about this, it explains to us the heart of the fear of man right from Genesis, right from the creation, as, as Adam and Eve were created and had absolutely no fear. Absolutely no, um, they weren't sort of uh, preoccupied with themselves at all. They were preoccupied with each other, with God, with God's creation. They were completely free. It says they were naked and unashamed. They weren't preoccupied with, how do I fare? What do I look like? Am I accepted? Am I getting what I need from you? Not at all. They were completely free. And that's God's intention for us, that we don't, we're not governed. We're not controlled by what, other, what they might think, what they might say. Am I loved? Am I accepted by others? Am I popular? But as Adam and Eve turned away from God, they suddenly sin entered the world and they were immediately aware of their shame. They were immediately aware of their guilt. And you know what they did next? They hid. It said they were aware of their shame. They hid. God came out. Where are you? God had been walking with them in the garden. And he said, where are you? They were hiding from God. Shame and, and, and uh, um, being concerned with ourselves, it caused us to want to hide. And this is a fear of man thing. You may know this yourself very well. You may think, I, I don't love social, social situations. I tend to hide in a corner somewhere. I tend to maybe not even go to them. I don't, no, I don't want to be rejected. I don't know how people will think of me, so I'll just take myself out of the situation. I've got ugly bits about me that I don't want people to see. I've got things I'm ashamed of. I'd rather hide. I'd rather not go. And when God eventually brings them out, they've covered themselves. With leaves. They have covered themselves up. They've put a covering on themselves. And again, this is what we see with fear of man. We, we project, we put something out there that this is what you'll see of me. We speak ourselves up. We, we, we speak others down. We put a covering over ourselves so that others will think a certain way of us. You know, particularly we think of social media where we project an image to the world. This is who I am. And it's just the glimpses of the, the best bits of our lives. We we cover ourselves so that people might not see. I don't want you to, I don't want to be exposed. That's at the heart of fear of man. To, I don't want to be exposed. There's things about me I, I don't want anyone to know. I just want to get what I need from other people. Am I accepted? Am I popular? Am I respected? Am I alone? So we hide from possible rejection. 
We cover ourselves. We cover our embarrassment. We cover our sin. And you may think, yeah, I know, that's a big deal for me. This, this is right where I am. You're speaking, you're speaking to me. You're speaking about me. This is me all over. Or you may be someone who says, actually, I'm not someone who bothered too, bothered too much about what other people think of me. Well, let's just look quickly at a few questions to, to see if that's the case. Because I really think fear of man does touch all of us. Are you someone who hates confrontation? Do you hate confrontation? Do you hate the thought of being misunderstood? Do you often question how you came across in a conversation? Do you go away and analyze it? Do you think, how was that first impression that that person had of me? Are you very subjective in the way that you treat people, constantly taking into account the way they will respond to you rather than remaining objective and true to your convictions? Do your convictions just, are they fluffy? Is it just, it depends what room I'm in, what my convictions are. It depends who I'm speaking to. Or are you someone who says, no, I know where I stand. And it might not agree with other people, but I know where I stand. Do you gossip or do you let other people gossip around you without correcting them, without stepping in and letting, bad, letting others have a bad impression of someone because it makes you actually feel a bit better by comparison. It makes you look a bit better by comparison. Do you show particular bias towards people, your own children, your spouse perhaps? You would never want them to reject you, so you let them get away with things that you know God has told you, no, I want you to parent like this. You think, but I'll get rejected if I do it that way. I'll I'll let that go. These are all pictures of us needing something from people that only God can provide. We need from people, and we end up not loving them. We end up just trying to get from them, using them. Do you refrain from saying things that you know you should? Do you witness about Jesus? If you're a believer in here today, how's that going for you? Are you happy to tell other people about your faith in Jesus, even if there is possible rejection? And right in the mix of this is our culture. Our society is encouraging fear of man. It encourages fear of man. We are expected now to think certain things, aren't we? We're expected and pressured to believe certain things, to say certain things, to consign to popularly accepted political correct ideas, or else be cancelled. The pressure is heavy on us. We may be persecuted. We could even get in trouble with the law for our ideologies. We're increasingly told what to think rather than being given space to think critically for ourselves. And the irony of this is that it all comes out of fear. The terror of will we be uh, divided or united? Well, let's tell people what they must think. Let's pressure them to think so we're all united. But all it does is is generate more fear. Am I going to step out of line? Am I thinking the right thing? Should I say that? Am I allowed to say this? And and am I going to get cancelled? Am I going to get rejected? Heard this phrase over the last five or ten years, more and more used... People say, you can't say that. When you say something that might not be with the status quo, you can't say that. And it's not a loving arm around someone saying, hey, I don't think that's a very loving thing to say, or I don't think that's very wise. It's literally, you're not allowed to say that in our day and age. You're not allowed to say that. We got to a place where we're terrible. Am I allowed this? Am I allowed that? And then added to that is the social media pressures, presenting this, like I said, these unreal projections, these glimpses of our life, and then checking how many likes, how many comments, 
How many retweets? Am I loved? Am I acceptable? How do I compare with other people? And even when we feel good, often it's because it's in comparison with someone else. Or because we got what we needed from someone else. See, I think fear of man, it affects all of us. And in his excellent book, an author who wrote this book called When People Are Big and God Is Small, writing about this fear of man, he says this, Ed Welch says this, Fear of man is such a part of our human fabric that we should check for pulse if someone denies it. We all are impacted by a fear of man. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. It says directly in Proverbs 29, the fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap. It, it, it's like being put in shackles. I'm, I'm just taken where the culture tells me to go. I, I'm in the, in the slipstream of what I'm supposed to say, who I'm supposed to be. I don't want to be rejected, so I'll just go with... And we're ensnared. To the fear of man, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And that's again an irony, isn't it? I want to I want to be safe, so I'll just go with what you say. I want to be that's part of one of our desires. I want to be safe. No, it's a snare. But whoever trusts the Lord is safe. And we're looking uh, today at a few examples of fear of man in the Bible. Uh, and I'm just gonna instead of Reading through the text, I'm just going to summarize it because many of us will know the story of the Israelites who were uh, actually enslaved for 400 years to the Egyptians. And they were in slavery, treated terribly, and they, they cried out to God. God heard their cry, and over a period of time, he incredibly showed his might and his splendor. He showed to the God of, uh, of Egypt, Pharaoh, who, who would say, I'm the God of Egypt, God showed, no, I am the only God. As we've been singing this morning, there's no one above me. There's no one above him. And God showed mighty exploits as he brought plagues, as he even brought death, as he led his people out of slavery. And he he led them and guided them and protected them with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. And then when they got to an impasse where they thought, we can't go any further, we're ensnared. No, you're not, because I'm in control. And God opened the Red Sea so they could walk through on dry land. And as they got through to the other side, God brought the waters down on their enemies. I am in control. God showed these wonderful exploits. And the people of Israel were brought out of this slavery. And then they wandered in the, in the desert aimlessly, grumbling for years, what should have been a number of weeks' journey to the land that God had promised to them, they were in the wilderness for 40 years because of unbelief, because of cynicism. And we'll hear that today. And as I was praying today, I was saying, God, God, please deliver us from unbelief and cynicism that holds us back from what he has for us. He has things for you today that you are not experiencing because of unbelief. And God would say, if you believe me, if you'd only trust me, if you would only believe me, I've got so much more for you. And then where I wanted to get to is in Numbers 13 and 14, they've been at the base of Mount Sinai for a year. And God says, okay, it's time to move on now. 
Time to come on, let's get this journey going. Let's get to the promised land. And he says to Moses, I want you to go and send 12 spies into this land and spy out the land. Have a look at it. And so Moses sends these 12 spies and they come back and they say, this is a great land. It is filled with milk and honey and the fruit there is huge. But we can't go into it because the people there are huge. The people are massive. There's like giants in the land. The people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. They are stronger than we are. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. This was the report they brought back. They went into a land that God had promised to them. And they came back saying, we can't have it. We're not as big as they are. We're not as impressive as they are. And they got caught up in the looking in on themselves and looking what was in front of them rather than trusting in who was behind them and acknowledging that he had promised the land to them. And two of the uh, spies, they said this. They said, we can go in. If God is for us, if he's with us, if he's pleased with us, he'll bring us safely into that land and he'll give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey to us, but they have no protection. But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. So we're going to look at a few things that we can pull out of these stories. And they are themes that go through the Bible. It's not just from these stories. This is just a helpful illustration for us. These are right through the Bible. And as we've heard, number one, fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. It's a shackle. God isn't a God of traps. God is not a God of snares. And you may be here today, you may not be a believer, and you think, these people are all trapped. I'm the free one. I get to do whatever I want. These guys all believe in a God who stops them doing fun things. No, God is not a God of snares. He's not a God who takes from us, but rather a God who gives to us. And through our faith and trust in him, we receive more freedom. We receive more courage. We receive more power to live the life that he's won for us. Their fear in this story, it paralyzes them, doesn't it? They're completely paralyzed. They've been told, you can have this land. And they go and look at it and say, what amazing land. But we can't have it. Because we've seen what's in front of us as bigger. They're completely paralyzed. And what was possible becomes impossible. And I feel God would say to us today, you're making what I've made possible impossible. When you're more aware of people than you're aware of me. When you're more aware of, will I be accepted? Will, will they respond well? Will there be an awkward conversation? Will, will I get what I need from people? You're being more aware of people than you are of me, and you're making what I've made possible, impossible. It traps them. It withholds from them all that God has made available to them. They could go into this land and get joy, the joy of knowing We've been wandering in the desert. We've been eating rubbish food. We've been uh, in slavery for 400 years and we're finally free. But God's like, there's more for you. There's more for you. 
There's joy for you. There's peace for you. There's destiny for you. Do you know that if you're a believer in here today, there is destiny for you. It's not just, oh, come on then, you can be a churchgoer. There's destiny for us. And it's not just to go to heaven one day. It's to impact the here and now. It's to be salt in the world, to bring preservation that is so desperately needed, flavor that's so desperately needed into our culture. There's destiny for God's people to be beautiful, to shine a light that is otherwise dim. And safety is even robbed from them. They could go into this land where they would know safety, and they think, no, we won't be safe. They reverse the truth. They start to make crazy, self-defeating plans. It doesn't even stop at them saying, it's too scary, we're stuck. It gets worse. They say this, they say, let me read some of it. The whole community, oh, let's, let's, let's read this. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. They've added, they've added more to it. All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now listen to this. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron who have brought them out of slavery under God's leadership. They turned against them. If only we had died in Egypt. They would prefer to die. God's saying, I've got this beautiful, bountiful land for you. Oh, if only we could die. How has it got there? It's got there through seeing the people in front of them as bigger than the God behind them. And we sacrifice so much when we do that. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is God taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return back to Egypt? They want to go back into the land of slavery. I mean, it's got so crazy in their thinking. It's all got out of sync as they've gone to complete folly through their fear. You recognize that sometimes in your life? You think, I know that I'm really ridiculous with my fear. I get taken up with, what if I get rejected? And then I completely am gripped by it. I go downhill. It's like a cloud over my head. What do people think of me? I can't get free from this. And it gets worse and worse. They plotted amongst themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And then two of the spies speak up and say, no, we could do this. God's with us. And then it says in verse 10, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Two of the spies have started saying, let's kill them. I mean, this is the... This is the outflow of fear. We've got to take control somehow. Fear of man is a snare. It robs them and they start to make these crazy, self-defeating decisions. Fear of man is a matter of glory and honor, awe and worship. As we've been singing this morning, as we've been learning through this, this series and as we will continue to learn, we'll see... It really is a matter of who do I fear. It's a matter of who do I worship. Whose glory is is at the center of my desires? Is it me? Is it other people? Who am I giving glory to? Who am I giving honor to? 
Who am I in awe of? And who am I worshipping? Who am I in reverence of? What was it that filled their vision? Their vision was filled with, the people are really big. They're bigger than us. They gave glory to people. There's a verse in the Bible where David says, what can man do to me? If God is on my side, what can man do to me? They were more aware of what man can do to me. Man, man, man. They gave glory and honor, awe and even worship, respect, reverence to what these people can do to me. And when we have fear of man, we are walking in those shoes. We're walking in, what could they do? They could reject me. They won't receive me. They won't love me. They, I, I just need to fit in. I could be alone. They'll give me, they'll give me what I need. The size of the people in the land they were filled with. They gave weight to what man could do to them. They made created things bigger than the creator God. It says in Romans 1, that was the sin of mankind, to make created things bigger and give our worship to created things rather than the creator. I saw this picture in the week and I thought that's a good picture for us. And it kind of came up in our worship time. If we could see this, this picture of these scales. And you see... There's a feather on one side, and there's gold bars on the other side, and yet it's the feather that's outweighing the gold bars. And as we heard in the worship, we can be weighed down with with concerns, and weighed down with, am I going to be rejected? Weighed down with, I want to fit in, I want to get, I want to receive from people, and we can make things that, that are not, they're not central. They're not, they shouldn't be given that weight. They shouldn't be given that glory in our lives. And we give them glory and they outweigh what is valuable. God. God is much bigger, much heavier, much more valuable. And, and th- you've given weight to this feather? It's a matter of glory, honor, awe, and worship. Next, the answer It's important that we hear this. I felt as I was preparing this week, this is a point that I feel God wants to get through to some of you. The answer is not to be unafraid. The answer is not to be unafraid. Christians, your job is not to just say, I'm not supposed to be scared. The Bible says, do not be afraid. So I'm just not supposed to be afraid. And and, and some of the things that they said, they're stronger than we are. God's answer to them wouldn't be, no, they're not. No, you're right. Yeah, they're stronger than you are. Now go. No, they're stronger than we are. We saw giants. That's a pretty big concern. God doesn't say, get over it. Grow up. That's not his heart for you. And I feel that some of you think, I'm just supposed to not fear. But these are real concerns when I look at the news. They're real concerns when I look at my family member who's who's ill very seriously. I'm really concerned. I don't... Like spiders. It's a real concern. And God doesn't say, grow up. See, in my laziness, and I'm sad to say this, sometimes my, one of my children will come down at night when they've gone to bed, and they'll say, I'm scared. And when I'm, when I'm at my worst, I'll say to them, there's nothing to be scared of. Go back to bed. That's not what God says to us. He's not that kind of father. He says, grow up. He says, yeah, I understand your concerns. And he's not the sort of father who would say to you, 
Those of you who are very scared of, of man for reasons that you've been rejected in the past and hurt perhaps by the way you've been parented or the way you've been taught at school or some horrible rejection by a group of friends. He doesn't say, move on, get over it. That's not what his desire for you is. The answer isn't just to don't be afraid, be braver, grow up. God knows your concerns are often valid. I love the story that Joel used last week of the the disciples on the boat. Now, these disciples on the boat, when the storm rages up, they are fishermen. They've been on that water many years, more than Jesus, who's a carpenter. They know those waters. They know these storms. They know what they're like. The concern for them was real. We could die. Other people in these storms die, Jesus. He doesn't wake up and say, It's nothing to be concerned about. It's not a real storm. No, it's a real storm. That's not the point. So in your concerns, don't feel, I'm such a weakling. I should be stronger than this. God doesn't say you should be stronger. Pharaoh, uh, Moses was sent to Pharaoh, right, to say, let my people go. Moses, who's a He's a shepherd at this time, doing nothing in the wilderness. Go to the strongest man in the world and tell him what to do. Moses says, I can't. Fear of man grips him. The point isn't, yes, you can. What is the point? The problem is when they compare the men of the land with themselves. They say, they're much bigger than us. I can't do this. Now, this is the point. Who I am is not the most important question. Who he is is the most important question. We must be more concerned and have our eyes lifted up. He is greater. He is above it all. It's not that God's saying, you can do it. He's saying, I can do it. I am with you. On the boat to the disciples, where's your faith? I'm with you. Jesus was asleep, at rest, head on a pillow, snoring away. How is he at peace? My father's in control. He is with us. There's a very real peace that we must, as we're we're praying this morning, someone was praying that our minds would be renewed. Thought processes be renewed. That we understand that there's, there's freedom for us, but my thought life has to change here. And God may just break some people open today, and there may be freedom that's instant. But more likely for most of us, it will be my thought patterns have to change. I have to believe him. I have to put my trust in him daily. I have to see him as bigger than other people daily. I have to bring glory, honor, awe, and worship to the correct person. Because the next point is this. Glory, honor, awe, and worship, they have a home. They have a home. They have a correct destination. It's the men who recognize in the story... Not what is in front of them, but who is behind them, who are able to stand unafraid. It's the two who say, if God's with us, we can get this land. It's the other ten who say, but they're bigger than us. No, if we honor God above the world, above uh, our fears, above our concerns, and we see, yeah, we can't, but God's with us. 
We're not alone. The bigger one is with us. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Jurassic Park, the first one. There's that scene at the end where um, they're at the complete mercy, the only living people left who haven't been eaten so far. They're at the mercy of these uh, velociraptors. They're just about to pounce. And the last scene in the whole film, the velociraptor just goes to pounce on them and the T-Rex comes in, saves them. What they needed was a bigger fear to save them. We have a bigger one to save us. When my son comes to me down and says, I'm scared, will you pray for me? He's saying to me, will you bring me to the bigger picture? Will you help me, lead me to the one who can, I can rest in? He's not saying, I can't say to him, don't be scared, come on, grow up. No, no, God is with us, you're okay. Have peace because God is for you, he's with you and he will hold you. We need a bigger Picture, a bigger understanding. There is only one who is worthy of the glory. One who can take the full weight of our hopes and our needs. One who is fully deserving of our honour. And one who we must stand in awe of if we are to be really free from fear. The answer is not to be unafraid, but to see the one who is bigger than all other things that vie for our reverence. Things will say, worship me, worship me, worship me. Get what you need from me. Get what you, and I say, I don't need to. There's only one that's worthy of my, my honor, my worship, my praise, my awe. There's only one who can carry it and not break. Everything else will let us down. We need one who will not let us down. Psalm 121, David, who is being chased all over the place, trying to be killed by bands of robbers and and, and, and enemies, he says in Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And the commentaries say, he could be saying, I look at these hills, there could be robbers, there could be thieves in the cracks, in the caves. I look at the hills, where does my help come from? And then he lifts his eyes up further. My help comes from the maker of the hills, comes from the maker of heaven and earth. We must look up and see He is the one that our fear resides in, rightly. That our honour resides in. That our worship should be finding its home in. That our honour should come to. What we really need is a bigger one. And we have found the one who is the maker of the things that we can fear sometimes. What we really need is a better covering. I said at the beginning, it's all really about us trying to cover up our guilt and our shame. That's what the heart of it is. I'm trying to cover up. I don't want to be exposed. What we need is a better covering. Thank God we've got Jesus. This is the center of it. Galatians 3, baptized into Christ. Those of you who are baptized into Christ, you put on Christ like clothing. You have the best covering you could ever get. The one who stood with your guilt and shame exposed on him and took the punishment for it on the cross. That you could be covered by his perfectness. And he won't pull up Jesus like a a dress and look under and say, it's ugly under there. No, that's not what God is like. You're covered with Jesus. You're safe. It's not like, yeah, I know Jesus has covered me, but really, no, really, really you're covered. Really, you are clean. You're cleansed. Really, you have a covering that is unlike anything you need to project about yourself. It even can give you a confidence to say, I can go into a situation and make a bit of an idiot of myself. I'm covered. I'm covered. I don't have to project. I don't have to try to cover myself. He is, he is 
righteous and he has put on me his righteousness. We need to be loved by one who will never reject us. And John 6, 37, it says, Jesus says, all the Father, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And if you're someone who says, I just hate the thought of rejection. Jesus is the one who will never reject you. He will never cast you out. That is his promise. We need one who will hold us when all others fail us. Have you had failures for parents growing up? I know there are people here with horrible past stories. People letting them down, failing them. In Hebrews 10.23 it says, Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's a faithful one that won't be the one that lets you down. But there is a holding fast to him. Have you let go of him? Have you let go and you've turned to fear? I don't know where to turn. I'm turning to fear. No, hold fast. Come back. Hold on to him. He's the one who is faithful when all others let you down. And what we needed was someone who would face our biggest giant and beat it for us. The sin that separates us from a loving God. It says in 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He has given us victory over the biggest giant. Don't be fearful. Will I get found out? Will God look at me? Because that's really what's at the center of it for the exposure for Adam and Eve. What do others think of me? Yes, what, what do I look like? But really, what does God's penetrating eye see when he looks at me? Well, he has given you the way out of judgment by pouring out on his own. Lastly, I just want to say this. This is a, a practice of ours in light of what we've heard this morning. Need people less, love people more. Need people less, love people more. We're called to love others, not to need them. If we fear the Lord, we love people better. You've got to understand that. If you fear the Lord, you will parent your children better. You will love your spouse better. Because it won't be, well, am I getting what I'm getting? That's my condition. I want to not be rejected by them. I want to get the love that I need from them. And that will be your condition. But when you say, no, I fear the Lord, so I I love the way he calls me to. You will love them much better. You will uh, bring what needs to be brought. You will love them more wisely. It won't be subjective. It won't just be emotional. It will be God's wisdom. We're able to stand more objective and Bring truth in love, speaking life, bringing health to our children, to our spouses, to our friends, We're a- even to our enemies. We're able to withstand the pressures from those around us as we rightly fear God and choose him. But in that, we don't need to fight for a victory. We don't need to fight for a victory. I need to prove myself here. No, you don't need to prove yourself. Jesus has won the victory. We're able to own our faults. We're able to repent of them. And know that they are covered by Jesus. So we're able to love people. We fear God. We love people. If you know today this is a huge issue for you, don't be disheartened. Don't be disheartened thinking, I'm trapped. I'm in this snare. I don't know how to get out. Don't be disheartened. There is freedom. And it might come in an instant today. It might be that God works on you and just breaks something. And you just know as you respond in prayer, perhaps God did something that day and broke something. 
But more likely, as I said before, it will come through a daily decision, daily dying to the need for others' affirmation above God's. Saying, no, God, I just want to live in your affirmation. You love me. You are enough for me. Daily choosing to forget yourself and be more concerned with loving others than needing something from them. Daily recognition that you don't need to hide. You don't need to be controlled by fear, controlled by other people. This is what is possible for those in Christ. Don't be discouraged today if you know this is a big deal for me. Be encouraged. Be hope-filled. He has promised to complete the work that he's begun in you. This is something we need to practice. I just want to say this finally. Uh, my friend Luke here, he, I, I love something. He really inspired me last year. I, I don't even know if you told me this, but someone told me about, about Luke. That Luke will often do things that are uncomfortable to, to kill off fear of man. I'll do something that I, would, I find uncomfortable. I'll go and sit and speak to someone I don't know. Because I've got to put this to death. And I want to encourage you, put, put it to death. Practice putting it to death. Kill it purposefully. Do things that make you uncomfortable. If you think, as Luke said last week, I hated praying out in prayer meetings. Now push yourself. God, I'm fearing man more than I'm fearing you. I've got to start doing things that kill this off. Make a decision about that. Let's stand to pray, shall we? I don't really know if we have time for a song. Let's go for it, please. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to. I just don't know. Father, we just recognize, Father, that this is something that touches all of us. And we also, I want to respond to, I feel like you've spoken to us this morning, say, this is not for you, my children. This is not for you. This is alien. You've accepted something alien. And I pray this morning that you would help us to reject fear of man and find our refuge in you to find we actually are putting things into operation into application into practice that show I, I will not give in to that that we would step into the freedom that you have for us father I really pray you would help us to put like a, a line in the sand today say I have to move out of this purposefully God has not given you a spirit of timidity but one of a sound mind, one of peace. Help us to know your hand with us this morning, speaking to us, freeing us, unbinding us, setting us free. In Jesus' name, thank you.